Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus. This is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez. Joining me as usual is Mr. David Gasper and a special guest, the president, boss man, CEO, Scott Green. How you doing, Scotty boy? Oh, I'm doing great. It's uh, awesome to be back on Futures Focus. The the number, uh, what were we, six seed? Six seed oh, in, yeah. the, uh, in the region. Uh, advanced one round but then we we fell short not by much though we were really close i was pretty happy about that of course scott you're talking about uh, at baseball pods each year does like a march madness type of tournament for all the baseball podcasts not just prospect podcasts but all fantasy baseball related podcasts so uh you get the big boys in there like cbs and espn and all those guys but uh, yeah to get a six seed i was pretty excited about that and we won our first round and then just just came up short to the triple play podcast which uh shout out to them they were very uh had some nice things to say after they beat us but they were uh gentlemen about it for sure um david how you doing over there i didn't forget about you want to know how how life's going for you in uh wisconsin i'm uh i'm doing good i'm recovering from a little uh march madness of my own uh with a with a late night last night uh covering the the games and the tournament but um yeah i'm i'm a doing good uh recovering so uh a little tired but i'm gonna i'm gonna make it through i'm gonna power through i got some caffeine i'm all good all right who do we have winning it all just we have to talk about that a little bit scott who do you have winning it all it's the first year i have not done a bracket i think since high school oh my Um, gosh that is insane actually yeah uh, i i think i'm gonna pull for syracuse i think they're not in the tournament I, did they make the NIT? I don't know. Oh, they, I don't, they didn't I don't make watch that the NIT. Either. They didn't make that either. Uh, I, I, I Gonzaga. There you go. All okay. right, going with the number one overall seed. There you go. <laughs> yeah, safe pick. What, what about you, David? Who do you think is gonna? Take I it I have Arizona in my oh. bracket. Um, so luckily I did not have Baylor. Uh, they just went down. Um, but yeah, I got Arizona, the Wildcats being a. Uh, being the national champion. I have Gonzaga as well, beating Arizona, so I am very high on Arizona too. But just the caveat, I literally know nothing about college basketball. I think I can name maybe two players, and they just because I watched them last night, like that's about my knowledge of it. So I have no <laughs> expertise. I think Dave, you follow it pretty closely though, like I mean, compared to us, I'd imagine, right? Oh yeah. I mean for for my day job, you know, they send me to uh Wisconsin Badger basketball games um you know cover them and uh be there and that's also why I was there at the tournament uh in Milwaukee last night so um yeah I, I feel like I know a little bit more I felt in my bracket my bracket's in in pretty good shape uh for the most part I, on the first day I went like 14 and 2 I only had like two losses and that was Kentucky who somehow blew it and uh Iowa um, who won the yeah, Big Ten tournament but couldn't get past the Richmond Spiders. So I don't know what was up with that. But uh, for the most part, my bracket's in, in pretty good shape. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, Iowa really hurt me. But uh, let's move on. Uh, we, we 
college basketball gets its its say here in March, even though we got a lot of prospect news and a bunch of trades that went down um, since last week that we talked, uh, thanks to the lockout being lifted. It was a frenzy there with, of course, big sign, uh, big free agent signings. Uh, I could talk about the Freddie Freeman saga for a while. <laughs> I want to know my thoughts about all that. It's like a soap opera over. Uh, how are you holding up over there, man? Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I'm going to miss Freddie Freeman. There's no doubt, but baseball wise, they're not going to miss a beat having Matt Olson at first base. Um, we're going to get to that trade though. So maybe I'll, I'll give you more of my thoughts on that, um, on the prospects that go over to Oakland. But we have a bunch of trades to go over. We also have, Scott, you were in Florida taking a look at a couple of, well, you wanted to get some spring training games, but it didn't quite work out for you. But uh, give us a little sneak peek on what we'll be talking about with you and your Florida trip. Yeah, so it was a one-year delayed uh, birthday trip to spring training. There was no way I was not going to go this year, even with the lockout and potential uh, not seeing anything down there. Uh, and, and as it turns out, I missed missed games by probably just a few days. Uh, I was down there last weekend, and we got to see some scrimmages, intra-squad minor league scrimmages between uh, the Orioles prospects one day, and then uh, in Tampa uh, with the Yankees prospects another couple days. So I'll, I'll talk about those a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you can't pick two better teams than those two if you're going to have an inter-squad. So uh, we'll definitely... Get your lowdown on what you saw there. And uh, we got some news and notes. We're back, David, with news and notes. Didn't you miss the yeah. news and notes section? Oh, so much, man. I, I, know. I missed news all winter. <laughs> I know. We had literally no – we did a bunch of podcasts, you know, in the last couple of weeks. We Our news and notes section has been nothing. But we have a ton to go over, and that's because with the minor league game starting up, we're getting a lot of information coming out recently and i'm very happy to see this is that a lot of the top top prospects are talked about of making it out of camp as starting uh position so for instance bobby witt there's been talk about him starting at third base there's been talk about alec thomas being in the starting mix for center field there's been talk about spencer uh, tolkelson is going to be up sooner than we all maybe had expected before so I wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think this is, am I overreacting to this? Do we hear this every year and then they just don't bring their guys up? Or do you think that this year after the new CBA, we might see some differences in what's happening um, with these top prospects? Scott, I'll go to your, uh, to you first and your thoughts. I think that we might start to see some uh, top tier guys making opening day rosters. Uh, you've got that new, uh, new clause, right? Where, if they finish in the, the top of the rookie of the year uh, voting, then the, the service time uh, comes along with it. And uh, it, it might help teams, you know, bring their guys up sooner. I think it actually is now that I'm actually starting to see it. Right. I mean, if you're going to bring Bobby Wade up this year, which almost is guaranteed at this point, why wait when in your mind, you know, he has a great chance of being the rookie there and you're going to have to give up that year anyway. I just think with these elite prospects, we're going to see them come up as soon as possible because that would be awful to just wait a month only to have to give that year back too. Uh, what are your thoughts, David? 
Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of it. I think the I think the leader in this uh, regard, the, the leader on this charge, is probably going to be the Kansas City Royals with Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and not just because Bobby Witt Jr. is a fantastic player who's deserving of a spot because he is, but also really kind of because of the way Dayton Moore really kind of runs his franchise and the way he looks at the game of baseball. Dayton Moore is definitely that type of executive who would bring up a rookie, a, a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day roster to have him up there. Be like, this is the best guy on the team. He was even talking last year. It's like, you know, we kept Bobby Witt Jr. You know, in major league camp for longer than most teams would keep their young prospects like that. That were still somewhat far away because he had earned it. And, you know, they, they were seriously considering putting him on there last year. Um, so I, I think Dayton Moore really could be the guy that leads the charge with this and is somewhat aggressive and puts Bobby Witt Jr. on that opening day roster. Man, I'm I'm just really excited to go see some games here. Um, hey, Scott, with our Prospects League, are you willing to buy tickets for everybody in the league so we can all go watch some of these guys? You find a date, you find a game that all 16 people can actually be at, and the site will cover the cost of those tickets done well a very easy way for you to cover that cost scott is to actually just join a new league on fan tracks because we have a new giveaway that we are working with our sponsor fan, uh, fan tracks to get everybody in your league tickets to an mlb game of their choice along with a thousand dollars towards travel and any accommodation so you won't have to write that off in your taxes scott we can get it to you for free so long as you win the giveaway but this is open to everybody that is going to either again join a new league which is free join an active league that is again free or if you bring your existing leagues over to using fantrax and why wouldn't you be doing one of those three options because fantrax absolutely fantastic we've talked about how great it is to have our prospects only league which is quite compl uh, complicated and complex and, and and scott maybe you can talk about how easy that was setting it up on fan tracks oh yeah it was really uh pretty streamlined and pretty easy even using some of their premium features uh, you know our draft room we were able to make it so it's only the uh, prospects that haven't even debuted i mean you've even got uh prospect eligible players like vidal brujan uh, who's made his debut last year, only had a handful of at-bats. But in our league, he's not eligible to be selected. So he's actually not in our draft pool of players because there is a setting that Fantrax has that allows you to, you know, put on some restrictions for players that, you know, had, you know, even one game played. So that, that was very helpful in the setup. And uh, yeah, you said it all. I mean, it's for prospects and dynasty leagues, it's, the best platform. Yeah. And I can't imagine that would have been as easy to do on some of the other platforms. So again, sign up if you have not fantracks.com slash prospects 1500. It definitely helps us out too. If you can sign up through that link, uh, through that link, really do appreciate that. But again, even if you're in an existing league, they're automatically included in this giveaway too. So I happen to have like seven entries. I'm I'm pretty stoked. Maybe I'll I'll be lucky enough to get this. Um, but again, there no purchases necessary. It's all free. Sign up today. Again, fantrax.com/prospects1500. All right, let's continue on 
there is a lot of good news as well when it comes to the health of some of these top prospects. And I'm referring to Corbin Carroll, who looks like he's ready to go. Royce Lewis, who actually got to get some game action yesterday, went over to, but um, unfortunately, uh, that Correa signing. Oh, guys, what the heck was that? Did, did anybody have the twins signing Correa on their bingo card? Good. No. I did not. I, I was thinking that they could go after Story, you know, potentially after the trades with the Yankees and whatnot. I did not think they were going to be able to to go after Correa and then especially get him in a post-midnight uh, signing was very uh, interesting news to to find. Yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> was that, that, that was definitely interesting uh, breakfast news this morning. I mean, what, you're Royce Lewis or even Austin Martin. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think Royce Lewis could definitely move around. Oh, both of those guys could move, right? But it definitely signifies that the Twins are ready to go for it this year. They've yeah. been very aggressive, so maybe they're not going to bring up those guys unless they are completely ready, which I don't know if either of them are going to be ready. But but also, like keep in mind with that deal, like it, it's a three-year deal, but there's opt-outs after each year. So it's really three consecutive one-year deals, um, and – I mean, Correa can opt out at any time. I mean, he could opt out after this next year and head to the free agent market again, sign elsewhere um, for much more money and still get, you know, his big payday that he wants. Um, and then that could clear room for Royce Lewis or Austin Martin, uh, you know, starting in 2023. So, I mean, really only this year is guaranteed to for those guys to be blocked. Yeah, and that's a great point. So dynasty-wise, I don't think it changes their value because you probably weren't relying on those two for this year anyway. We definitely need to see months and months of Royce Lewis being healthy before he's getting the call. Austin Martin's probably a little bit closer ETA-wise, but, I mean, he hasn't done anything to say he's knocking on the door now either. So uh, I imagine Correa, you know, I could see this. I've seen these guys sign these contracts and then kind of not perform, but assuming... I would just I'm assuming he's going to opt out after one year. What do you think, Scott? It's a good call, but we obviously have to wait and see. I mean, he's get, it's like, what, 30, 33, somewhere over 30 million um, this 35. year. And 35.1. There we go. Um, yeah. If he's happy with the atmosphere, culture, team, and they do well, Maybe he does stick there, but uh, it's going to come down to how the team gels this year, I think. Yeah, good point. I mean, it's going to be hard to turn down 30 plus, but if he has another Correa season and he's fully healthy, can't imagine. I mean, weren't the Orioles out there floating around like a $300 million contract to him? I bet. Yeah, I think so. And they had flown him in on a on a helicopter to come to Camden Yards and, and meet with them. And then uh, a few hours later, he signed with yeah. with Minnesota. So maybe, you know, a full offseason, that's not crazy, which is it's actually a really shrewd and smart move, I think, by Correa that I didn't know was even possible to, you know, it was such a weird offseason. I think it screwed over Freddie Freeman, to be honest, not having those months and months where you could communicate with the team and, and go into next season, have a great year and then then start over from scratch. And if not, if it doesn't work out, then you have a lot of leverage, too, because Somebody's gonna want to sign you. They gotta, they gotta top thirty million for the next two years. That's gonna be interesting. Very, very smart. Yeah, yeah. And, and plus, I mean, like this offseason, there were five elite shortstops that were out there on the market. So there's a lot of competition. You know, a lot of 
um, you know, other guys that teams could sign for much less um, and still get a really good shortstop. But next year, there's not going to be as many superstar shortstops out there. So, you know, it, it would be a much easier market for uh, Correa. You know, if a team really wants a, a big upgrade at shortstop, Correa is really probably going to be their only option rather than having to choose between him and Trevor Story and uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and uh, Javier Baez, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's going to be more conducive to uh, his market. Yeah. This year was nuts for shortstops. And I think like it's Dansby Swanson and that's it <laughs> next year. Yeah. So very, very good call. Very smart move. Um, let's go back to some of those guys that are healthy in case you haven't been closely following their progress in the offseason. Tyler Soderstrom looks like he's good to go for 2022. Jordan Lawler is taking swings off of the tee. Really, the only major prospect you have to kind of wait for now is going to be Josh Young, who got his surgery and is out for six months moving forward. Really, really sad to see that. But otherwise, I mean, top prospect-wise, we are looking good and healthy. And did you boys see Julio Rodriguez with that home run yesterday? Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, a 700-foot bomb. Uh, Alex, I would have to throw out there, though, that we got a little bit of a hiccup with Adley. Yes, and that is your fault. Um, So why don't you explain what you did to poor Adley Rutschman out there in Florida? Yeah, so we were down at this intra-squad minor league scrimmage between the Orioles prospects, and Adley uh, hit an oppo. He was hitting lefty um, off of right-handed pitcher Ofelki Peralta, and he lined a shot out into left field that Heston Kerstad uh, dove for and got by him, and Adley uh, came around uh, with an inside the park job that I so happened to get on video. And you can check out my pinned tweet on Twitter if you want at Scotty underscore ballgame and see the uh, the video of that inside the park home run. Uh, so you are saying that he hurt his arm on that play because I was uh, doing the video of it from my phone. But in in fact, it was Heston Kerstad in left field who actually came up limp and had a little hamstring injury and was taken out of the game uh, and was sitting on a cart uh, after the game. They're hoping that that isn't too serious. Um, We didn't realize there was anything wrong with Adley Rushman uh, after that play, but I guess you're insinuating that uh, I had caused his arm injury with the video of that homer. Yeah, he was clearly trying to impress you, and uh, you put a lot of pressure on that young man. But, David, isn't that the most Orioles thing to do is to have their two top prospects get injured on the same play? Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, pretty much on par for the Orioles. And just like as you mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, yeah, we flew in Carlos Correa. Two hours later, he signs with uh, the Twins. You know, it's just it's just kind of one punch after another uh, for that organization who's been a punching bag for – uh, quite a while now, and I feel for him, but man, that's that's just two tough blows to take. If if I were being honest, I would actually say that you know Adley may have had a little bit of a negative reaction to Eric Garfield, our friend Eric uh, underscore mm. Birdland, who was there right behind home plate doing some video. Um, although he didn't get the video of that play, I was the one 
that got the video of that play. But Eric's there every day. So maybe I wasn't the one that caused his injury. But uh, shout out to Eric. It was great seeing him down there also. Yeah, I love Eric. Uh, he, he's a very, very awesome uh, guy to talk to for Orioles stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm looking here at Adley. It says it's a, oh, a tricep strain. So maybe, you know, that just sort of aggravated something that was already sort of bothering him. Um, two to three weeks. It's really not that big of a deal. Hopefully, in the long in the long run, I don't I don't imagine it will be. So, um, he's gonna miss you know pretty much the spring training, which kind of is not ideal. But, um, I guess he I guess he was definitely gonna be a candidate to start the year now with the new CBA. But um, yeah, one one little hiccup there, like you mentioned. But uh, otherwise, these prospects are are looking really good to start. I wonder if it's because they're just a little bit more. Uh, up to speed since they've been playing, you know, a couple of weeks before the big guys got there. So we'll have to see. I mean, Riley Green hit a opposite field home run yesterday. Looked like it was a pop up, but still went out. He's another guy that I, I failed to mention earlier that could start the big league season with the Tigers, which is exciting as well to get Torkelson and Riley Green up there. I bet Kurt's quite excited about that. Uh, Nick Prado hit one out the other day. Um, so very, very exciting stuff. Of course, we have to wait three weeks or so and get some ideas of what's going to happen. But, um, any other prospects you guys wanted to mention before we move on that has, uh, kind of caught your eye here in early spring, David, I'll start with you. Uh, first of all, I want to mention that Nick Prado home run, it was off Jack lighter. Um, so that is an important thing to note there. Also O'Neill Cruz of the pirates. He just basically Vlad seniored a ball uh, out for a home run. I mean, it was down at his ankles, uh, at his shoe tops, and he just dropped the head of the bat on it and had enough power to still slug it out uh, to right field for a home run. Uh, he's someone, I mean, he made a late season debut last year, the final like two games of the season. Uh, he should be starting the season uh, up in the big leagues for the Pirates. Uh, and that is a very fun player to watch who's, uh, very big, very strong, uh, and very fun to watch. Yeah, it's pretty insane when he, you remember he's 6'6", and getting down to that ball seems impossible. So uh, I'm coming around on him. I've been I've been definitely one of the last ones on board that O'Neill Cruz train, but um, he's got he's got something there, I think, and so I I need to kind of get on board. Um, hey Scott, so uh, you know the Red Sox didn't sign Freddie Freeman. This must mean that. Tristan Cassis is good to go. He's going to be up soon too, huh? What do you think? He will be up soon. I don't know that he breaks camp with the team. Uh, he didn't have a lot of time in AAA at the end of last season. I think he he needs at least another few weeks, maybe a month in AAA. Uh, they don't have to rush him. They've got Dahlbeck can play first. Um, so he will be up soon. I, I did just want to quickly mention basically my top five prospects overall, we've already talked about it. These guys should be up. Uh, you know, Witt should be up. You've got Torque and, and Riley in Detroit. They should be up soon. Adley will, could probably be up this year. It's going to be a little longer now with the injury, uh, at least not until May. And uh, I think the only other guy we're wondering about is Julio Rodriguez. He did not play in AAA at all last year. So uh, he needs some time in AAA. They may start him at AA again, uh, but he needs to be uh, in AAA for a bit. I do think we see Julio Rodriguez in the majors this year. I'm just not sure when. Yeah, he's got that. He's got the swag 
And he also has that reputation of having an awesome baseball IQ and work ethic, which that's kind of a rare breed. I mean, I like it. I'm on board. Uh, let's see him as soon as possible. He keeps hitting like he did yesterday. We are going to see him very, very quickly. All right. So, uh, so Scott, you didn't get Freddie Freeman, but there are a bunch of trades that involve prospects um, centered around kind of what that Freddie Freeman and other prospects as well um, going in and out of teams. And I figured this would be a good episode to highlight those guys that went out. I have their rankings on our lists here at the site as well. And we'll just go with uh, the most recent to the oldest, if that's all right with you two gentlemen. And we'll start with actually a prospect from my system, the San Diego Padres. And that was the Luke Voigt for Justin Lang trade, which I had him ranked number 12. And shout out Buster Olney. He referenced our list. That was pretty sweet. But overall, I mean, look, I I don't know how much Luke Voigt was going to get from teams. Uh, There's not. This again, going back to the Freddie Freeman, like there just wasn't a lot of teams that had first base openings. And really, the Padres don't either with Eric Cosmer there. But with the DH available, they they literally have no one to DH. It was going to be like their backup catcher DH, you know, kind of thing. So Luke Voigt makes a lot of sense to them. Justin Lange is a, a very good prospect to get for, for somebody like Voigt where, you know, you don't have a lot of leverage. So I think it's a very nice trade for the Yankees. Lange is uh, he's a ways away. He has great stuff, control issues at the moment. And I do envision him going to the bullpen in the long term. And that's kind of why I had him in the 12 range. But really best stuff in the entire system. And the system has a bunch of arms that are uh, pretty good. So it's not like it's it, it's saying it's, it's you know, over guys that have nothing. And there's some good arms in that system. And he's definitely one of the ones that stand out in terms of stuff. But... Um, yeah, I, I figured I'd just start with that one, too, since, you know, that's my Padres guy. So uh, any anything to add to that? Pretty straightforward up trade there, don't you think? I think, yeah, uh, yeah okay. I, I, sorry, David. I think, uh, you know, the Padres are really high on Lang. He was a first-round pick uh, just 2020, um, a year or so ago. And, you know, for them to move him you know, says something uh, for both sides. Uh, he'll definitely step in as one of the top pitching prospects in New York and, and they, and the Padres got a great first baseman. He led the league in home runs, you know, in the uh, shortened season uh, in 20. So um, I like the move for both teams. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something where, I mean, for Luke Voigt, like certainly once Anthony Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees, uh, everyone knew Luke Voigt had to be traded and the Yankees really lost all leverage. Um, So maybe they could have leveraged, you know, or maybe they could have gotten more for Voight if they had traded him before they signed Anthony Rizzo. But once he came back, uh, everyone really kind of knew they were desperate to to move Voight and they really needed to to get rid of him. So, you know, the prospect return is going to be a little bit less. Um, and that's where, you know, maybe, in, you know, they ended up with Lang or, or Lange or however you pronounce it instead of uh, someone maybe a bit higher on your list, Alex. Yeah, it's definitely a good get for somebody like Voight. I just don't know who else is going to to trade for Voight uh, off the top of my head. But um, yeah, it was kind of under the radar one. Just it sort of worked out for both teams very nicely. The one I do want to get your guys' thoughts on because Mariners trade. That's Jesse Winker and Eugenio Torres, big bats, going over to Seattle in exchange for Jake Fraley, Justin Dunn, 
Brandon Williamson, who we have at number seven, seven. on our list. Those lists are actually not uh, including Fraley or Dunn. Obviously, they've been in the majors for too long. But uh, and also a player to be named later, which I, I hadn't heard a lot about who that might be. But we got some people in our chat saying that it was actually a pretty decent prospect. So we'll have to wait to see who that is. I, I can't even guess who that might be. But Brandon Williamson is really the guy we need to talk about here. So, Scott, I'll start with you. Um, Williamson was definitely creeping into top 100 lists for a lot of people. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on the pitcher there. I think that Williamson has kind of surpassed in some scouting analyst's eyes, uh, Emerson Hancock. And he's a really good get uh, in that deal. Uh, I'm high on him. I He's uh, probably a couple shares of, of him that I own in some leagues. So definitely uh, the main piece for that deal. Any guess as to who the player might be named later by chance? I, I don't want to venture a guess. I, I would probably put that onto our, our Mariners correspondent or someone that uh, knows more about the, uh, you know, the the ALS prospects. I'm not an expert on that Mariners system. There are a couple guys that are, you know, probably mid tier players. They might be able to, uh, to throw as another player to be named, but I wouldn't want to, you know, step out of line and venture. I'm I'm only asking you and putting you on the spot there, because to me, unless that player to be named is like a top 15 guy, I think this trade's awful for the Reds. I mean, you don't think they could have got more than that. Um, David, I'll come to you and your thoughts. Like Jesse Winker is a, a very high end bat and Eugenio Suarez is just, a few years removed from leading the world in home runs. And you only had to give up your number seven overall prospect player to be named Justin Dunn and Jake Fraley. What? Yeah, it's another Jerry DePoto masterclass. Um, but really the Reds were attaching a Eugenio Suarez uh, to get rid of his contract. I mean, it was partially a salary dump. Um, so in exchange for the Mariners taking on all of Suarez's salary, uh, the prospect return was a little bit less than what it should have been. Um, so that's why they were able to get away with, uh, you know, just giving up Williamson and, and Dunn and Fraley and a player to be named later. Um, so, you know, that's really kind of the tough part. Cause they, I think like what, 30 to $35 million still on Suarez's contract. Um, so for Seattle to eat all of that, um, you know, the, the prospect return was a little bit less. So, yeah, it, it's kind of tough. And, and you see, uh, I think it was Nick Kroll, the, the general manager of the Reds, you know, saying, it's like, oh, we learned uh, from our mistake last time not to attach prospects uh, to get rid of salary when they traded, you know, Jeter Downs and uh, Josiah Gray um, and, and, you know, made that whole trade a couple years ago with the Dodgers. And so then instead, you just trade your best big league assets uh, in Jesse Winker, uh attached to some salary to move it back to get lesser prospects. I don't really know what the Reds are doing. They seem like a directionless franchise. Um, you know, they, they sit, they are trying to rebuild and then they're like, okay, now we've been rebuilding long enough. Haven't had much success. Let's try to go all in and, and win. And they did so in 2020. And I mean, they made the playoffs, they made the expanded playoffs and then they didn't win in the playoffs. And then they fell back down again and now they're selling everything off again. So Really, I don't know what they're doing. I don't think they entirely know what they're doing. Um, and I think this trade is somewhat reflective of that, that, you know, they really should have gotten more for 
uh, Jesse Winker, but they attached a big uh, contract to him and um, they ended up getting a lot less and they don't appear ready to contend anytime soon. Hey guys, do you know what this trade makes me think of? And I'm going to date myself here. I'm going to go back 17 years. This trade makes me think of and remember when the Marlins traded Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell to the Red Sox. And do you remember who they got back in return? They got Boston's number one prospect three years running, Hanley Ramirez, and a handful of other guys that I bet you don't remember. And the, the, it, the trade kind of makes me feel similar. Uh, it, it's in kind of the same vein there. The, the uh, Marlins were trying to dump salary. And then those two guys actually helped Boston win a championship two years later. So I do remember that trade credit. I actually wanted to look up the other guys that you said we wouldn't remember. Well, you will remember one of them. One of them turned out to be Anibal Sanchez. Anibal, he, yes. And he had a pretty good uh, career, but the other two yeah. guys, I don't think ever made it. Yeah. Jesus Delgado was the other one. Um, and, and Harvey Garcia. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fun names to, to see if I would have, rem- I don't remember them at all, but uh, yeah, I, the salary, though, like I get, I get it. Like salary dumps and attaching a prospect, that's nothing new. But this is the salary. I mean, it's it's 11 million for the next three years and 15 million dollar. It looks like uh, is that an opt out in 15? I think it's a club option. 2021. So really, if if you don't take that, three years, 11 million is worth not getting something more from a stacked Mariners system. Um, what I mean, just let I me mean, just hear your grade so you can put what what you're thinking on it grade, grade the trade real quick um for the reds in the reds perspective what do you think david for the reds c minus um maybe it could be a c plus depending on how um you know fraley and uh um dunn turn out for them i mean they're they're gonna need some help but like also i mean with with pitching prospects there even with how good williamson has been they're gonna be playing half their games at great american small park um, it is not a pitcher friendly environment over there. So, you know, it's, it's never going to be anything higher really than a C for me. Scott, what do you grade the trade? Uh, C plus. I, I think that, I think, you know, Fraley is serviceable. I think Williamson can be good even in small park. Uh, he can be really good. Um, maybe it moves up to a B minus, but for now it's a C plus for me. I, I it all depends on that player to be named because I have heard it might be significant. If it is significant, I, I could maybe give it a C right now. I'd, I'd be in the D range for the Reds just because Suarez, yes, was has been awful. But of $11 million, if he bounces back even slightly, you can then get something for him at a, a deadline. I don't think you need to attach him to a winker. And, and so I feel like it's just a bad decision. Like they rushed through it. Because, I mean, Suarez is not good right now, but what what are the ch- – I mean, he's 30 years old. There is a chance he comes back and hits, you know, 30 home runs by the All-Star break. Even if he's hitting 220, a team would take that, I feel like. Yeah, and they also played him out of position last year. I mean, they, they moved him from third base over to shortstop, um, a position he did not handle well. And I think that also impacted him at the plate um, and really just kind of threw him into a funk. And even when they moved him back to third – 
Um, it, it was still such an offensive funk. I don't think he could get out of. So as long as you play him at the right position, um, and he doesn't have to worry about playing shortstop. I think he could be fine still. Yeah, I'm trying to see what what his season was last year. Here I have it. it was uh, bad. Well, 31 home runs. <laughs> and what are the other numbers? Yeah, don't don't worry about those. But he hit 49 <laughs> home runs in 2019. I mean, I just feel like you gave they gave up on him too quickly and hoping that um, that's the know, story of the Reds franchise. A straight D. I'm going to give it a straight D. You got credit, but not much. All right, let's go take a break. We'll come back. We have a few more trades to go over. And then, Scott, we're going to get into your experiences and your lowdown on some of those other Orioles and Yankees prospects that caught your eyes. So stay tuned. Just focus. We'll be right back. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back, Futures Focus with you, Scott Green, President, CEO of Prospects 1500, joining us. David Gaster, my co-host, as usual. My name is Alex Sanchez. We are continuing on discussing some of these trades that went forward. Uh, of course, there were some trades that didn't involve prospects, like the Josh Donaldson trade. There was a weird Amir Garrett for Mike Minor trade. Uh, that was just like out of field. We don't need to discuss, though, too much unless it affects some of the prospects, which if you guys want to. We can discuss that, but let's talk about, to me, the biggest of all of these, and that was the Braves acquired Matt Olson. And now, as a Braves fan, I can tell you my thoughts on this initially, and then we can get your guys' expanded, non-biased thoughts, I'd imagine. But to me, the Braves' top prospects, Christian Pache. Well, let me let me go over the deal first. It's Christian Pache, Langoliers, Ryan Cusick, and Joey Estes going over. Oakland and I mean to me those top two guys are obviously the headliners but they are much better real life fantasy uh, better real life players and fantasy players and again this is the focus of our show after all is getting you guys to have the best dynasty teams possible Christian Pache I is you know he's not even close to my top 150 when it comes to fantasy real life love his defense and will have immediate value with a very, very high floor. There's no doubt about it. Dynasty-wise, though, I am not interested in Christian Pache at all. I've seen enough of him to think that, at best, he's a 250 hitter with a little bit of pop. Hasn't been able to steal bases yet. I have no interest in him. Um, Shea Langleyers, on the other hand, again, defensive first. There's no doubt about that. He has shown power and at catching position, although you guys both know I'm anti-catcher, I do think that his fantasy profile is a lot 
more appealing than Christian Pache's because the power is there and his defense is so good that he could probably take over a full-time role and provide a lot of value for you. The two pitchers are very high upside, low floor type of guy. We haven't seen a lot from them in professional ranks. Uh, Joey Estes had a full season and it was fabulous, but he is very undersized and it was in the lower minor. So he has a ways to go. Ryan Cusick, of course, with the monster fastball, perhaps the best fastball in the class last year, but a lot of command issues and a lot of questions if he can stick in the rotation. Both those guys could have number two upside, but they could also never make it at all. So overall, it is a lot of value, especially if you're taking the real life approach to this. Fantasy-wise, though, I, I, I'm not too excited about any of these guys on, uh, you know, I guess Joey Est is probably the guy I'm most excited for. Um, they were ranked number six, number number six for Pache, number three for Langoliers, number eight for Cusick, and number 11 for Estes on our recent top 50 list by Michael Kelly. So I talked a lot there. Anything to add, David, on your thoughts when you saw this trade? This was definitely one that uh, surprised everyone. Braves, of course, good at keeping things on the lowdown. But what were your thoughts when you saw this trade? Yeah, it surprised Freddie Freeman, too, apparently. But uh, more on that later, I'm sure. But yeah, when I saw this return, I thought the A's did pretty well for themselves here uh, in the Olsen trade. Uh, They got some guys that they really kind of needed there. I mean, you're going to get a a really good center fielder in Christian Pache, you know, Really good catch there in Shea Langoliers. Um, so those are two guys that should be able to help out pretty quickly. I really like Cusick and Estes. Um, I think those are going to um, – maybe as time goes on, I think those two might be the the best ones uh, to come over to Oakland in this trade. Um, you know, I really liked Cusick in the draft. Um, Estes has really been jumping up uh, prospect lists. Um, so, I mean, those are guys like, yeah, they may be a little bit further away, um, but – they're also someone uh, they're, they're also players that I really kind of like, and I think they're going to be uh, really good players, you know, yeah, far away, but um, you know, I think there's a, a lot to like there. And I think that, I think the Oakland A's did pretty well for themselves uh, in this trade. I think it's kind of ridiculous that they are rebuilding and selling everyone off and having a fire sale to begin with. But since they're going with it, uh, I think they made a solid trade here. Scott coming over to you now. Um, what are your thoughts here on the package coming over to um, Oakland in terms of the fantasy? I want to know your fantasy implications of this more so. I think we can all agree that they're great real-life players. And, I mean, to get four of those guys is pretty insane. But fantasy-wise now, what do you think, Scott? The jury's got to be still out for a while. Um, I'm with you on Pache. Uh He's going to be decent uh, for them. He's going to play for them. Is he going to help your di- dynasty team in multiple categories? I don't think that's the case. Um, he could surprise us. I, I don't know a lot about Langoliers. I know, like you said, defensive first. He's He's been hailed as the number one catcher in the Braves system, you know, after uh, William Contreras, you know, graduated. Um and then the other pitchers, I just don't know yet for uh, for dynasty purposes. Um, you know, they're not going to be in the majors for at least a few years. Uh, Estes had a great year. I remember him being in our prospects of the week several times last season. Um, our friend Jared Vickery uh, did a uh, spoke with Joey, uh, had an interview 
that's published on our website. If you just search uh, Joey Estes in the search box on our homepage, uh, you'll find that interview. Um, I guess it, I just looked it up and it was published right before uh, New Year's. So at the end of December. Um, great, great kid. And I think he's going to really excel in the Oakland system. And Cusick was just drafted. So it's not going to help your fantasy team in 2022. Maybe a little bit more in 23, seeing how Pache and Langoliers develop. But you're not going to see the pitchers on your dynasty teams until until 2024, in the majors anyway. Um, let's move on. Uh, the actually next two trades are going to be Oakland A's again. So you have Chris Bassett going over to the New York Mets in exchange for but great pitcher, by the way. Chris Bassett has been fantastic the last couple of years. I don't think a lot of people would maybe realize that um, pitching over in Oakland on the West Coast. They get Adam Oler and JT Gin or Gin. Uh, do you know, Scott, if it's a like the drink or is it? I think it's a hard G. I think it's a hard G, not the drink. It's the Gin. Gin. So number six overall for Gin and number 28 overall for all uh, are on our Mets list. So, uh, you know, Gin's Gin, 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 for some Gin. I'll tell you that pretty soon. JT. Not too shabby, but good old JT Gin over there. Coming off that Tommy John surgery, but his stock was now. Do you think it's enough to fast, David? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's a solid uh, trade for Oakland. I mean, they're, they're really kind of chasing the, the high end um, prospect there with Ginn. Um, so that was really, I think, kind of their, their main thing. I mean, he's going to be a little bit further away. Um, but also, I mean, they get Adam Aller, who's not really seen as, as a super high uh, prospect. But he's someone who actually had a really good year last year. Uh, in AAA and really kind of finally, you know, he's really kind of been slow to develop. Uh, and he's someone that probably should um, get some time in the big leagues this season. Um, so maybe like a way like down targets, uh, you know, down draft uh, target um, for, for someone, if you're looking for someone to maybe fill innings uh, and say, if you have like a prospects league, like we kind of have uh, going here on fan tracks uh, with our, uh, some of our readers and listeners and uh, going back and forth there. I think someone already picked up Aller um, in our draft, which is still ongoing. Um, but really for, for Chris Bassett, I mean, he's someone that has one year of control left. I mean, he's a free agent after this season. So because he's, he's a one year guy, the return might be a little bit less. Um, so for Oakland, getting a top level pitching prospect like JT Ginn, um, plus someone who can help out immediately and Aller, uh, I think that's a solid trade for them. Um, and, uh, I think they're, they've done pretty well, um, in the, two, in the two trades we've talked about so far. Ginn, don't forget was drafted in the second round, but given first round money, um, over, uh, two, what was it? A $2 million signing bonus or something like that. Um, even with the Tommy John surgery. So, uh, they clearly had high hopes for him and he had a very nice year. I mean, considering he was its first year back from Tommy John stats are, are quite remarkable. Usually it takes guys a couple of months, at least now the strikeout number is not quite there. They start to show up a little bit towards the end of the season. I see a 10 strikeout game 
seven strikeout, six strikeout game into September. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, for Chris Bassett, probably the best you could hope for. Uh, I actually like this trade for both teams. I think that really solidifies the Mets rotation with Bassett now slotting in there at number three. With both of those guys at the top for the Mets rotations, you know, easily could have uh, missing some time as well. So, Scott, uh, what are your thoughts on this trade for the A's and for the Mets? Do you think it's a win-win or do you think somebody comes out on top here? I think it's a win-win. You, you know, uh, like you said, all are very impressive um, in the upper levels of the Mets system, double-A, triple-A, last year uh, in line to see the majors, which is why someone scooped him up in our prospects challenge draft. And uh, JT Ginn was one of their top draft picks, you know, recently. So so they're getting some good value. And Bassett has been really, really good and is going to be at the top of the Mets rotation. So definitely a win-win for me. And let's move on to the next one. And by the way, I don't think the A's are done. They still have Frankie Montas and um, who's their other guy that they might Sean Mania. Yeah, so uh, I imagine those two are probably on the way out at some point. If not now, then within, you know, before the deadline. So the A's are going to be stacked here if it's going to be trades like this. Although I want to get your thoughts here. I'll let you guys start with this one. Matt Chapman. all world defensively, again, doesn't really help you for dynasty purposes. But Matt Chapman, everybody knows who Matt Chapman is. The, uh, you know, consummate professional is how he's always referred to. Uh, he goes over to Toronto, which also kind of had to do with the Freddie Freeman deal as well. I mean, they were into Freddie, then they, they pivoted to Chapman. Um, they get Kevin Smith, number eight, Zach Logue, number 25, Kirby Sneed, who was not ranked, and Gunnar Hogland, who was number four on our list for the Toronto Blue Jays. I won't say my thoughts until the end here, so we'll start with you, Scott. What are your initial reactions to this trade? And, and give me somebody who wins. I want I really like to have you guys take sides. None of this gray area stuff. Who do you think wins that trade? Um, that's easy. Toronto wins that trade. Matt Chapman is proven. He's an all-star. He's one of the best fielders. Great hitter. He's there now. Um, and then you've got four prospects. So um, Toronto wins the trade. I know that our A's correspondent, Jeremy May, is salivating at the chance to basically redo his entire A's top 50 uh, rankings. Uh, he asked me, when do our midseason rankings come out? I'm like, well, you can start working on it now. Um Gunnar Hogland, you know, he fell a little bit in the draft last year because he uh, because of uh, his his surgery. And, you know, I've seen Kevin Smith uh, a lot uh, as he was playing in um, New Hampshire, double A. I saw him in New Hampshire, saw them when they came through Hartford. Uh, I like Kevin Smith a lot, but it seems like he's been I think he's been in the system for like four or five years. And. I don't know that he is going to be an impact major leaguer. Uh, I think Hogland can be. Um, Zach Logue is one of those guys that I would take late, very late in a uh, you know dynasty draft. Could be a serviceable major league arm. I don't know much about Kirby Sneed. Uh, so that's why Toronto wins this trade for me. 
Well, if you're Keith Law, you got a top 100 prospect in Kevin Smith, but uh, otherwise, very, very far removed from top 100 lists for Kevin Smith. Although I used to really think he had potential, but just a couple bad years. Uh, but he is ready to go. I, I imagine he might even be a opening day starter for the A's. The again, it's really those guys. Yeah, sure, if they do something great, but it's Gunnar Hoglund that they were after. Who again? I mean. Similar to who we're talking about with uh, with Ginn is that Tommy John affected his draft status. This was a guy, David, maybe you could talk about this, was definitely in the conversation as a, a top five pick until the Tommy John surgery and still goes at number 19, which that's pretty crazy to take a guy coming off of Tommy John that high in a draft. So clearly there's a lot of upside here. So uh, uh, hopefully you can give us some more information about Hoglin and your thoughts on this trade as well, a winner and a loser. Yeah, I mean, I still think the winner here is uh, Toronto. Absolutely. I mean, you're getting um, Matt Chapman, who has been one of the best players uh, in the league for, for a number of years now. Uh, he's really going to help them out. They're ready to win now. Uh, he's going to help them. Hogland, you know, he wasn't going to be able to he wasn't going to be ready to help them for a while, you know, especially coming after Tommy John surgery. Um, and even then, um, with that rotation uh, that they have there, uh, it might be tough for him to crack a spot uh, in the coming years. So, you know, Hoglund's, you know, he's clearly the, the best of the bunch. You know, Kevin Smith, yeah, his his value's been going down a little bit. And then uh, Sneed uh, and, and Log, Logue, or, or, or whatever. He's, uh, like, those are two kind of more your your lower uh, level kind of guys, uh, not really impact type prospects. So your two potential impact prospects are Hogland coming off a of Tommy John surgery and Smith uh, coming off a, a couple of poor seasons. And really, I feel like some prospect fatigue uh, maybe as well, um, you know, because he's been around a while. He's, he's what, 25 now. Um, so, you know, Smith is, Smith is going to be a solid player, but he's not going to be Matt Chapman at third base for the Oakland A's. He's not going to be able to replace that kind of production. Um, so the the clear winner here is Toronto. Yeah, you're definitely right. I am extremely tired of Kevin Smith. I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot here and ask you guys one simple question. And that is, and I know, again, I'll get the batting average doesn't matter. But uh, anybody want to take a guess at Matt Chapman's career batting average? Scott, we'll start with you without looking it up if you already have i have not uh i'm gonna take a stab and say um 271 and uh mr gasper your guess uh i'm gonna say 265 so 271 would have been an extremely high guess for matt chapman he is a 243 career hitter gentlemen is he overrated with the bat i think maybe possibly Defensive, no doubt about it. And there's great value there. But, I mean, offensively, this guy, this guy is very Eugenio Suarez, to be honest. And we just trashed Eugenio Suarez and gave him away, you know, for but, nothing. Um, at 210 last year, 27 home runs, 314 on base. In this, the COVID shortened year, 232, 10 home runs. His, even in 2019, he hit the 36, but still hit 242 with 342 on base percentage. The bats maybe not quite what everybody wants it to be, and he's only getting older. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, David. Yeah, you said but, like you wanted to say something. But but also, I mean, he's got a career OPS over 800, a career OPS plus of 120. So 
I mean, he's been a, a 20% better than league average hitter over the course of his career. So, you know, still with that power there, he puts up the numbers. Yeah, he doesn't hit for a super high batting average, uh, but he still brings you plenty of production uh, with extra base hits um, and home runs and RBIs. So he's still he's still a very productive bat. I think you're right. I just don't think it's as clear cut as you guys were sort of making it out to be. I still would agree that Toronto is winning this, that Chapman's going to be his floor is so good. I mean, there's very few players that you're getting value from like you do with Matt Chapman, but I just don't think it's that clear of a win. It's definitely leaning towards Toronto, but as you know, Scott, he's the 270. I mean, you always think of Matt Chapman as this this guy who just had maybe a bad year last year, but it's, it's going on a few years now. Um, now, he plays Oakland, you know, maybe that has something to do with average. That definitely takes away some average points with those foul balls getting caught oh, much more frequently. But just uh, just something to keep in mind. Um, any last thoughts on any of those trades that uh, you had before we go over to Scott and his inside look at his trip to Florida? Yeah, Scott, I'll, say one thing, thing, I'll say one thing about Matt Chapman. Um, uh, two things. It tells you that, one – I don't follow the A's and their stats as much as I probably should. Um, and two is that I probably don't own many shares of Chapman in dynasty leagues because I probably would have known that he had a 243 career average. He did hit 278 in 2018, his second year, but that was an outlier. So, um, but I still like think Toronto, yeah. Toronto still wins the deal. What do we think uh, – who had more strikeouts last year, Eugenio Suarez or Matt Chapman? And I don't know the answer. I'm just actually thinking about this right now. David, what's your guess? Um, my guess is Chapman. My guess is Chapman didn't Suarez miss a decent chunk of time. 145 games, 574 at-bats. Okay. I'm going to say Chapman. Yeah, Chapman had 202. Strikeouts. He had a swarm at 171 strikeouts. And yet one that he dealt because he's a salary and the other is uh getting a bunch of prospects back. It's just interesting. That's all I'm saying. Again, the defense obviously has a lot to do. I mean, I don't follow Eugenio Swear. He's not awful defensively, is he? I, I feel like I mean you put him at short, can't be that terrible third, right? He he's solid at third, but he's terrible at short. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Chapman would probably not be, I mean, you for sure, but I'm just saying, like, he isn't the point where, like, they are that far off, <laughs> crazy as that sounds. I, I, Baseball's fun. Baseball's tricky. It's just, you know, if you have that, you know, that defense just really bumps Chapman up in terms of his, his value, I think, and uh, and make him, a, you know, the hitting isn't nearly as important. Anyway, all right, Scotty boy, let me hear your thoughts on some of these Orioles and Yankees prospects. I'm assuming you got some lowdown, some stuff that, that you wanted to share. Two fantastic systems. I mean, Volpe, Rutschman, DL, uh, DL Hall, all sorts of guys I want to know about. What, uh, Who caught your eye down there? What do you want to talk about? And uh, we'll finish up our podcast with that. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm not going to take a lot of time. Just wanted to, you know, shout out to some names, some it's fun to get out and actually see some prospects and playing games. Didn't know if we were going to have major league baseball. We knew we were going to have minor league, um, but to be down in Florida and see some of this uh, baseball in the sun was great. Uh, if you look back on my Twitter feed, 
uh, if you scroll back, you know, to last Saturday, Sunday, I put a bunch of videos and, and photos that I'd taken from Sarasota and Tampa. So in Sarasota, we had talked about the the Adley and Kerstad, uh, you know, play with the inside the park home run. Grayson Rodriguez pitched a couple innings for one of the sides. He looked really good, uh, arguably in the conversation for top prospect pitcher in the game. He did give up a bomb to Kyle Stowers, uh, a bomb to right field that went that there's this like warehouse uh, behind the wall. In, not not a, like a Camden Yards warehouse, but like a garage warehouse in um, the outfield of it was field four behind Ed, Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota. And it, it went off the roof and made this big, big clang uh, that the crowd loved. A big crowd of about 100 people watching this this interest squad game. Um, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Colton Kauser, um uh, Joey Ortiz, just there were a lot of names that we saw. Um, uh, Nick, I think it's Nick Vespi finished up the game. Uh, could be a great arm in the bullpen for the Orioles. Uh, I'm trying to think of other names that was there, but but those were the big ones. What about Kobe Mayo? You happen to see him? You can't miss yes. him, I imagine. Yes, Kobe Mayo uh, was there. He didn't have a great game the day that, that uh, we saw him. A couple strikeouts, um, but an impressive bat, you know, just to be watching him in batting practice. I do like Kobe Mayo a lot. Definitely, um, definitely top 10 Orioles prospect for me. Oh, yeah. I have him above Gunner Henderson. I like him better. What about those uh, Yankees guys? What did you see out there for New York that uh, can get those Yankees fans a little excited for missing out on Carlos Correa and basically having a terrible offseason? So here's the deal with the Yankees. Um, I knew that their spring training uh, complex was not open to the public, and it hadn't been since they had started, you know, getting things going a few weeks ago. Uh, and it just so happens that our our Double uh, A Northeast, now the uh, back to being called the Eastern League, uh, correspondent Eli Fishman was down there, and he had put out some video of some prospects. Um, one day that I was down there and I reached out to him and he said, you know what? They're having a scrimmage tomorrow. And I, and he got back to me and said, it is open to the public. So the day that we went, and I think that was uh, last Sunday, uh, was the first time the camp had been open to the public and they were having the scrimmage in the afternoon. There were literally 25 to 30 people at the most that were there, you know, to watch and it was really cool because they had two games going on uh, on fields that were adjacent to each other. So we were basically sitting in the middle. You could sit in the uh, in the little bleachers that they had looking uh, at one field, but then you could just walk over, you know, 10 feet behind you and sit on the bleachers, watch the other diamond. Um, Anthony Volpe was playing in one game and Jason Dominguez was playing in the other game. So I was going back and forth getting photos and video of the two of them. They were the headliners. Uh, they both looked really good. And and then then I we actually went back the next day and they had a couple other games going on. They weren't playing that day, but the headliner um, that day was Austin Wells, who was catching for one of the teams. 
his bat looked really good, very solid. And um, Hayden Wesneski uh, pitched in one of the games, as did TJ uh, Sikema. And uh, yeah, that was just seeing all these all these names that I see these guys on baseball cards and I haven't sat there, you know, watching MILB.TV uh, to see them in game action or, or, you know, I was only down in Somerset, New Jersey and Hudson Valley once last year, but hadn't really seen them up close. So those were the names I wanted to throw out to you guys. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned that with the baseball cards, because some of those guys are like high school, college pictures that they're using we forget since it's photoshopped and then you see them after an off season or two since that card and i'm assuming they look way different and great call on austin wells i think austin wells is really underrated especially if you can stick at catcher um and of course volpe and dominguez everybody knows those two now so uh, you couldn't pick i don't think two better organizations to go hang out what do you think side is it i mean would you prefer to see that every year like an inter-squad between uh, a team uh, as opposed to spring training games where you have to have those major leaguers getting at bats. We don't want to see. What do you think? What would you that's prefer? A, that's a great call. I mean, if we've got listeners down in the Tampa area, head over to the minor league complex, which is not at Steinbrenner field where the major league spring training games are. It's, it's about a block away. It's on the other side of Raymond James stadium and there is a gate that you just drive into and you park in the outfield behind the outfield fence and you walk around and you're right down there in between the fields where they're working out or having these scrimmage games and seeing all these prospects. You know what? If I could do it each year, I would do that each year uh, just because I'm a prospect fiend and and I want to get photos of, of these guys and maybe they get a couple at bats in a major league spring training game, but um, the focus isn't on them there. Yeah. Very interesting. You get to talk to any of them. Is it easy to kind of communicate? There was some after the game, when the games were done, I did see uh, Volpe signing some autographs, which was really cool. Uh, I saw um, Rainfer Salinas uh, gave his batting gloves to uh, a youngster uh, after the game. Uh, there was, and, and then at the Orioles uh, in Sarasota the day before, there was no autographs. There was no actually speaking with players. They act, they make it clear. So it is a little bit of a, a different experience uh, because when you're over at the major league spring training parks, that is a big thing where they they do interact with with the crowd and the fans and and speak to you and autographs and that sort of thing. It's a different experience being over at the minor league complexes because it's really it's their workouts and they they kind of shy away from uh, a lot of the interaction with with fans i saw some some you know autograph hounds and some some guys with you know a blow blown up laminated photo oh there was a really cool blown up laminated photo of a jason dominguez uh, bowman scouts top prospects card um, and it was being carried by this guy. He looked like he was in his seventies you know, and he just, he, he was an autograph seeker. And another guy had his album with his cards, you know, on each page laid out. So you just hold it out for the player, but they weren't doing any of that until maybe after the scrimmages. And I only saw a very few instances of it. Yeah. Leave it to the Orioles to just say, no, we're not doing any yeah, of no, that. We don't not- want, 
anybody to like our players. Not today. (laughs) Enough. Enough competition. We'll just give up. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Scott, thanks so much for coming on and hearing that. I I definitely want to head out there. You know, there's another lockout and the minor leaguers are playing. That would be fantastic. We actually, uh, you know, we missed out on, on that a little bit. I guess we could have had the minor leagues all to ourselves. But alas, we do want Major League Baseball to be here. So, um, David Gasper, again, thank you for joining me. Uh, as usual, this was Futures Focus podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. We're excited for a brand new year. Spring training, March Madness. It doesn't get much better than this. Got anything else to add before we head out? No, uh, you know, keep following us at Prospects1500 uh, on Twitter. Uh, we've got an amazing uh, social media series that's ongoing. We're doing player profiles with the Portland Sea Dogs and the the um, Bowie Bay Sox and the Hartford Yard Goats and the Biloxi Shuckers is going to get started soon. Rocket City Trash Pandas, Binghamton Rumble Ponies just started. Bingham, Bingham, uh, the Birmingham Barons is starting up. I, I'm getting all flustered because it's so exciting. We're working with these teams. Um, so, so keep your eye out on our on our social media feeds for uh, for all that action. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. And David, I'm just going to say one thing. Devonte Adams. So sorry, buddy. Huh. Anything else to add before we head out? Yeah, just, uh, you know, talking our, you know, we were mentioning our, our uh, Prospect 1500 uh, Prospect Challenge League uh, earlier. And, you know, before this draft got started, uh, you know, your your fellow Braves fan and uh, Braves writer Michael Kelly was uh, making jokes about Brewers prospects. And I was like, oh, no one should pick uh, any of them if you want to win. And then sure enough, here he is in the 19th round selecting Tyler Black of the Milwaukee Brewers. So Michael Kelly is apparently choosing to make himself a losing team because he's selecting a Brewers player. So I just got to call you out for, you know, just kind of saying it's like, oh, no one should want a Brewers player at all. And then yeah, here you are taking one. So I just, I'm just calling that out. I just got to point that out to Michael Kelly, you know, just kind of going back and forth there on whether the Brewers system is good or not. Cause apparently it's good enough to take Tyler Black, who's a fantastic hitter, but he just keeps on talking a big game. So I, I just want to hear him admit it. I, I just want to have him come on and, and admit the Brewers have a, have a good system with some good prospects. And so we talking get, back all the time. Get, get Michael on the show next time. It, I, I look forward to hearing you guys recap the prospects challenge draft. Uh, we are in the middle of round 39, a little over 600 picks in. The draft is 50 rounds, 800 picks. We should be done by the time you record your next show. So I look forward to uh, hearing that recap and and what you think about the Scotty Ballgame uh, drafted team. Of course. Well, David, tell me how you really feel. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, Scott, yeah, it, that's where we're headed with our next podcast. So that one's going to be fascinating. I, I know we're kind of extending this at the end. We always have trouble saying goodbye, I think, on this podcast. But uh, you're going to get a lot of names that you may not recognize or know that well for next uh, podcast because you know like you said 600 picks and we're we're still barely over halfway done like we got all a ways to go so you're going to hear a bunch of guys that are probably available in your leagues probably available to get on the cheap if they are owned and i think it's gonna be really interesting to see because uh, people are taking their guys right now because they haven't heard of anybody else at least that's how i feel at this point i'm just taking guy oh yeah i kind of know that guy i'll take him um but yeah again thank you for joining us you two uh, thanks for listening Futures Focus Podcast. We will talk to you next week. See you.